welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And tonight on the show, we've got one for you, experienced investors. We're talking about which one of my properties do I sell? And this comes from a long-time listener of the show who says, Ed and Andrew, I'm a regular listener to the daily podcast. I enjoy them. I've bought five properties in total. My first one in 2005, the fifth one in 2017. They're in Auckland, Hamilton and Dunedin. Across of those, three of them are home and income properties all are cash flow positive. And she said to us, well, the new rules don't really bother me that much, although they're all with different banks. Which one should I sell? Do I sell the one with the best capital gain? Or do I sell the one that's got the most hassles, maybe the lowest yield? Or do I need to sell any at all? You know, and if I do sell, what do I do with the money? I've got everything I needed more. Oh, well, that's actually, I forgot she wrote that part. That's great. That's wonderful. Yeah. But she says... Can you do a podcast for us long-time investors, please? So, look, we are going to answer this question today and walk you through how you would go about reviewing your portfolio in this instance. So it's a real case study. Now, Andrew, how would you approach this situation? We don't have all the details, but how would you approach it? And just walk us through your thinking here. So, again, just kind of knowing parts of it. I think the first thing to do and we talk about this a, a lot, is just do a, a review of your portfolio. And I recommend doing this once a year, particularly if you've got a bigger portfolio, you might even do it more regularly than that. But I think once a year is probably good. And sit down and actually look at, you know, everything. So the five R's. So firstly, review. So I actually think using the return on investment calculator that we make available would be a great start. So put in those kind of numbers, see what your return on investment is. And then because it kind of looks at a lot of different things, it looks at your growth, but also the cash flow side of things, but how much equity you've got in that property reserved against it or what your minimum equity reserves are or cash. I think that's a really good way of kind of putting a matrix in place to actually figure out which is the right one, the best performing and the lowest performing based on those numbers. But that isn't everything. I think it's really good to have a look at the rent across them. So often people with larger portfolios can be a bit more relaxed with how much rent they're getting in. I see all the time that people might have stuff under-rented, particularly if they manage themselves. And in fact, just last week, I had an investor come to me with their portfolio. It was quite funny. I got their review briefing sheet beforehand and the note said, is this a good investment? We will discuss at the meeting. And I said, the answer is no. Simple as that. And they knew that that was the answer, but purely because the rent was so poor based on the value now that we could redeploy that capital and it'd be so much better. And I think that's a really important point to note as well, Andrew. A lot of long-time investors will have great cash flows on those properties, even after the new tax changes come in. Purpose is because the value of that property and the rent has increased so much over a 10, 15, 20-year period that you've owned it that your mortgage is going to be so low, the value of that property is going to be so much higher. And so it's natural to be like, oh, well, this is cash flow positive. No matter what happens, I'll just keep it. But you've also got to think... Not only what is the yield versus the purchase price, but what is your yield or your return based on the capital you've got there. And at some point, it does make sense to sell up a property and redeploy that capital into a couple of either higher yielding properties or higher growth properties and either diversify, but make some decisions about what is the best use of that capital. Not whether that property is cash flow positive or not, not whether that property is even necessarily still getting a bit of growth, but what's the best use of the capital within that property? 
And that's actually a really good point, Ed, because again, and myself included, we can become a little bit lazy as investors because the cash flow is good enough. And really, if you want to squeeze every last dollar out of your investment, you do need to be doing this kind of review process on a regular basis and, and being being watchful that you're getting the maximum return on your investment. Next is renovate. So, I mean, if you've got opportunity to get a higher rental or just to improve the value quickly, you know, that's some of the things you can do, particularly if you've kind of got deferred maintenance might affect the value of a property later on. Fourth R is restructure. So often, again, large investors will have untapped usable equity or they can move things around. Let's say, for example, you bought properties while you borrowed 100% and you had them all with one bank and now they're all locked in. But now I can move all those rentals to another bank, free up my usable equity in my house and, and, and not have that responsibility of cross-security against my own house. Well, great, that's a great first move. And then you might grow your portfolio later on. The fifth R is recycle, which is usually about that deposit side of things. So if you have put cash in or with the restructure side of things, being able to get that equity you've put in back out and then reuse that money for something else. And even if you're not going to go back into property, what you might do is strip out that deposit, put it into a managed fund, get a better return than the interest you're going to pay on that. And so you're winning. Well, the other way to look at recycling as well is, of course, selling that property down to recycle the equity into something else. So those are the first five R's if you're going to review your position in light of the recent tax changes. Let's put those tax changes to one side just for the moment. How else would you be reviewing this person's portfolio or just thinking through it? So there's two other things. The first one is your goals. And again, this changes as a property portfolio develops. As we mentioned in our webinar last week, you know, as time goes on, you go from often a capital growth portfolio as you're expanding to now living off the yield. So you need to kind of ask yourself, okay, well, if now this investor is wanting yield, do I need to reassess the properties that I've got and say, okay, well, these are great for capital growth, but you know, your capital growth you can't take with you, as our GM says, there are no pockets in a wooden overcoat. So you want to make sure that, you know, it is it is getting the maximum use of what you want the money for now. So while you might get a higher return on investment, say, for something like a house that was getting, you know, good growth, moderate yield, it might be that I want the high yield, don't care about the growth. And so that might mean, you know, you're recycling and transitioning into that yield-based portfolio. The other thing, this was in the question, one of the comments was the one with the most hassles. Now I'm big on mental bandwidth that your property investment portfolio uses. So if you've got something in your portfolio or properties in your portfolio that are just a pain in the butt, those are the ones that you get rid of because they'll stop you doing something else because you'll have this negative image of what property investment is like. And all you loyal listeners will know about Wilson's Road. That was it for me. And the money hit my account last week. And it's such a relief. It was funny because I was I was talking to Lauren about it afterwards. I was like, even though I made money of it, it's just such a relief to know that I don't have anything to worry about with that property again. And in fact, there was a whole storage unit in the back of that property where I just had junk in there. And the real estate agency, what's happening with that? And I said, well, it was sold as is where is. It was tough luck. That's their problem now. And just walking away from it, it was great. So going back to the question. I can't wait to never hear about that property again, Andrew. I've heard about <laughs> probably at 300 of the last 700 episodes. I tell you what, if you had a dollar for every time you had to hear about it, you would have made about as much as me on that deal. <laughs> now, come on, keep talking to us about this situation. Right, so in this situation, what one do we want to sell? 
First thing I'd say, okay, well, which one's going to be most and least affected by the government's changes? The question here included the one with the most capital growth, but naturally that's going to have the lowest mortgage as a percentage of the value. Therefore, it's probably actually going to be the one least affected by the changes. And so that might not be the one that you get rid of. Sometimes the one that you acquired most recently is going to be the one that's going to be affected most because that carries a high mortgage. And even if it was bought a day before the changes were announced, then that's going to be considered an old property, same as the one you bought 10 years ago. I do think it's really important to always look at what the tax liability is when you sell. I think also another important part there is identifying whether or not you're going to have any tax liabilities when you sell, particularly around the bright line side of things. And so what were the details on this one, Ed? So the last one that this investor had bought was in 2017. Now, the bright line test changed from two to five years in March 2018. So her most recent acquisition would have only been subject to a two-year bright line test. So she's outside of that. So we're assuming that all of those properties actually wouldn't create a tax liability. But important question to ask. But what you also have to consider is have you moved or restructured any of these into a different entity? So have you sold maybe that property into a look-through company or a trust in order to increase its mortgage, effectively pay less tax by increasing the mortgage? Because that could create a tax liability, even if you originally acquired the asset 2017, if you restructured it in 2019, then you've still got maybe another three years worth of Brightline left on that property. So if you sold it, you may have a tax liability. So it's important to think through that and just double check, A, when did I require that property? B, have I sold them to myself in order to restructure those recently? So it's really important to be right across the Brightline, right? And that's effectively because one of the best, I mean, people think this is the best thing about property. It's probably not the best thing, but it's pretty high up there, is the tax-free capital gains that you get over time. So look, I think for this investor, I definitely get rid of the stuff that is the hassle. First, particularly, you know, if you're at the later part of your investment, you probably just want a hassle-free investment. And so get rid of the stuff that's a pain. Then I'd probably get rid of the stuff that doesn't fit uh, its purpose anymore, if you're going to do anything at all. I mean, I do think it's really important to consider what you're going to do with the money. Because if you're just going to put it in the bank, just keep it. Because if you're not going to go out and actually replace it with something else, another property that's better fit for purpose, then you're better off just having that money often in the property, even if it's not perfect. But you know, if you're going to put it into shares and you know that's going to give you a, a better return, it's going to be easier for you. Or if you're going to go and buy a couple of high yielding properties, then absolutely do that. But if you are just going to put that money in the bank, don't. And one final thing, because we didn't have the data on exactly this investor situation, I'd also look at the rents to help get a guide of how they might have changed over the last couple of years. So the most recent acquisition came in mid-2017. We found that. We had that in the intro. And over that time, rents have increased. I was actually quite surprised, according to StatsNZ, how little that increased. About 13 to 14 percentage points increase. I imagine that the likes of a trade me or some of the other data providers would probably have higher numbers than that over that period. But you've probably had good income growth or rental growth over that period. And so there may be good reasons why you don't have to sell that. One final thing before we wrap up as well, Andrew, that I think I just want to point out, if you are going to be using the return on investment calculator that 
you can download for free on our website, the Big XL spreadsheet. The thing that's quite cool about that is when it considers your investment, it really is thinking about what is your current equity within that property. So if you put it in and said, hey, I want to see a 15-year projection from today into 15 years' time, it will say, well, what were the gains that you've got, the additional gains you expect to get in the next 15 years as a percentage of the equity you currently have in that property? So naturally, it is going to give you probably a worse return on investment in there if you have less debt, because of course the equity you've got within that property is much larger. So when we were talking right at the start of the show about how you've really got to understand what is the return on your deposit or the equity that you've currently got in that property and what is an alternative to invest, just wanted to mention that that spreadsheet does actually take that into account. And if you want to download that for free, actually, you can find it at opuspartners.co.nz slash ROI stands for return on investment or I'll also drop a link to that in the show notes actually just tap a swipe over the cover out there'll be a link in there you'll get it for free let's wrap that up but please don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the property academy podcast really helps us get the message out to more people thanks for listening to the property academy podcast I'm your host Ed McKnight and I'm Andrew Nicholl we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>